Good morning. You're tuning into the news at Morning Mixtape on Thursday, August 31st, 2023. I'm your host, Krishna Prasad, reporting for Met Radio 1280 AM, and here are our top stories from today. The City of Toronto has hired Forensic Accounting Unit KPMG to look into improperly altered charges from a contractor. Next up, Unifor released a statement appalled by recent comments by Education Minister Stephen Lecce. Finally, police issued a warning after a load of 5 million bees fell off a truck in Burlington, Ontario. Last but not least, we'll finish off with the weather and a new segment on strikes in Canada with Anna Giselle. According to CBC News, the City of Toronto is currently looking to figure out how much they'd been overcharged by general contractor Duran Ontario Limited when working on several multi-million dollar projects. The city's legal team is investigating the situation, and KPMG's forensic accounting unit has been hired to assist, which may cost taxpayers up to $120,000, according to a letter from KPMG to the city. This comes at a time where the city is struggling with a $1.5 million budget shortage. Here's what we know happened. The city hired Duran for, quote, at least six major projects in recent years, end quote, according to CBC. The group has been busy with renovations on city-owned buildings, such as TTC stations, and has a history of work on other major projects, like Union Station. However, KPMG has discovered over 400 change orders, asking for more funding than originally contracted, and when confronted about the issue earlier this month, the group blamed and terminated a single employee. Now KPMG is tasked with reviewing the change orders for the extent of the overcharging. The result of this audit is to be expected sometime later this summer. Meanwhile, Toronto City News reports that Canada's largest private sector union, Unifor, is appalled at Ontario Education Minister Stephen Lecce's comments on children changing pronouns while in school. Minister Lecce claimed that Ontario schools should be a safe space for children, and that means parents must be fully involved in their children's lives to understand them. This comes on the heels of discussions as several Canadian provinces, such as Saskatchewan and New Brunswick, adopt a new policy that requires schools to get parental consent for students under 16 to change their given name or pronouns in school. Unifor released a statement one day later about how these comments could make back-to-school dangerous for trans students in Ontario. Unifor's national president, Lana Payne, speaks out on how life for queer and trans students exploring their identity is hard enough without being outed by teachers for asking to go by a different name or pronoun in class. Finally, a load of 5 million beehive boxes fell off a truck in Burlington, Ontario. Yesterday, Halton Regional Police issued a warning on the subject, confirming that the load is located along the Guelph Line north of Dundas Street. Officers advise passing vehicles to keep windows closed and pedestrians avoid the area until it is completely cleared. Commercial beekeeper Tristan Jameson was doing a hive move from Milton when he swerved into a ditch to avoid hitting something on the street, dumping the hives everywhere. Jameson says the bees are now on an orientation flight, trying to figure out where they are, and that with time, 
they should calm down and return to the hives again. In a tweet just after 9 in the morning, the police confirmed that the area would be opened again in a few hours, thanking all the beekeepers that assisted in the cleanup. Though most of the crates have been successfully relocated, some are left behind for remaining bees to return to, so passerbys should be careful around the area. Before we go, here's the weather. Today should be sunny and clear. Expect a high of 22 degrees Celsius and a low of 10, with a UV index of 7. That about wraps it up for today's news. I'm Krishna, and thanks for tuning in to Met Radio, 1280 AM, Toronto. Here's Anna Giselle with a segment on the recent strikes that have been going on in Canada. Hello, everyone. Good morning. I'm Anna Giselle, your segment host for today. For this episode, I wanted to talk a bit about the recent strikes that have been going on in Canada and North America. Striking historically has had an impact on our lives in ways we might not even notice have evolved from it. So today, I'm going to talk about how collective bargaining and striking have been used to give some power back to the worker and have shaped the ways we work today. We've been hearing about striking in the news a lot lately. As of late last month, 27 metro grocery store locations closed, racking up to about 3,700 workers taking to the picket line, according to Global News. Today, we see that actions towards collective bargaining for workers affect things from our grocery shopping to the Barbie press circuit. In Hollywood, with a writers and actors strike, all 160,000 SAG-AFRA members are barred from promoting their work as well as acting, according to the Los Angeles Times. So first, you might be wondering, what is collective bargaining? Well, great question. According to Section 2D of the Canadian Charter, collective bargaining means, quote, employees have the right to unite, to present demands to the employer collectively, and to engage in discussions in an attempt to achieve workplace-related goals, end quote. This can include workers striking under a union and withholding labor to focus employers' attention on the demands at hand. Today, a lot of collective bargaining focuses on the fact that workers struggle to earn a living wage, which, according to the Toronto Star, would mean making $33.60 an hour to afford a one-bedroom apartment in the city. Ontario's current minimum wage is $15.50. Along with fair pay, goals that workers advocate for have often centered around things like reaching safer working conditions and a shorter work week. If you look at the way our week is structured now, with the traditional five-day work week and two-day weekend, you can see the handprint of trade unions' advocacy for hours that center more on the workers' right to rest. In 1867, workers in Chicago from all different trades went on strike in response to their 12 to 14 hour workdays, six days a week, according to the CNBC. This major strike spread across the states and bled into Europe, where workers called for their workday to be limited to eight hours, according to the Chicago Historical Society. Go Chicago. While it took until the 1940s for the eight hour workday to be normalized in American society, and even then, it was only normalized for some in American society. Decades of trade union precedent set out the groundwork for the work week we would recognize today. Collective bargaining has also been used in creating policies to protect vulnerable workers like immigrants, who have historically worked difficult and dangerous jobs. Legislature like the 1960s Industrial Safety Act and the Canadian Labor Safety Code gives workers the rights to refuse work and legally regulates work health and safety standards, both born from workers speaking up about dangerous working conditions. Workers making their voices heard has been a necessary part of gaining control and dignity and continues to play a role in any sector where workers have corporations and employers to keep in check. Well, that's all I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed hearing some striking history behind unions and workers' rights. 
Thank you for listening. I'm Anna Giselle, reporting for Met Radio 1280 AM. And now, here's Quentin with a teaser for our TIFF coverage. Hey, I'm Quentin, and I'm one of several Met Radio team members who will be covering this year's Toronto International Film Festival for the station. It's kicking off in exactly one week on September 7th, and every day of the lead-up we'll be highlighting a few of the films and events that we're most looking forward to. I'm excited to be starting things off this morning. Well, there are, no joke, hundreds of films that I'd love to see at this year's festival. I mean, literally, there are over 200 in the program. Queer, Canadian-made, and first feature films are at the top of my list. My number one pick is all three of those things. Backspot is the debut feature film by Toronto director D.W. Watterson, and it's making its world premiere at TIFF. It stars Devery Jacobs as Riley, a young cheerleader who is selected for an elite squad along with her girlfriend. With the higher stakes comes mounting pressure, and Riley is pushed to her breaking point. See it on Friday the 8th, Monday the 11th, or Friday the 15th. I guess I'm just into the theme of queer women in high-pressure situations because I'm also excited to check out Days of Happiness. It's directed by Chloe Robichaud, a Montreal writer-director, and tells the story of a gifted orchestra conductor at a crossroads in her life and career. It's playing Saturday and Sunday next, next weekend. On a decidedly goofier but also gay note, I'm also pretty excited about Dick's The Musical. This A24 movie is a spin on The Parent Trap if The Parent Trap was R-rated and extremely queer. I'm pretty obsessed with Aaron Jackson and Josh Sharp, the movie's writers, who adapted this film from a two-man stage show with a name I'm not allowed to say on air. It's part of the Midnight Madness program, so catch it at 11.59pm on Thursday the 7th or a few other times throughout the fest. Tickets are on sale now, so if any of these have caught your attention, make sure you try to snag them before it's too late. Maybe I'll see you there. And make sure you tune back in tomorrow for more Matt Radio Tiff Picks.